0: Today on CityCast Chicago, you planning to fly this holiday weekend? Well, you ain't going to be alone. Nearly 8 million people traveled through Midway and O'Hare in May last year. But right now, when flights are outrageously delayed, moved, or canceled, which most of us are likely to experience, we basically just got to deal with it. That is, unless the feds enact proposals that would give passengers more rights. Scott Kies runs the site Going, which helps people find inexpensive flight options. He tells us what these new rules could mean for a hub like Chicago. Plus, Scott gives us his top tip for cheap flights. It's Monday, May 22nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago's talking about. Scott, welcome to CityCast Chicago.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having
0: me. I got to start with this huge question. Have you ever been stranded at either O'Hare or Midway airports before?
1: Not only have I been stranded in O'Hare once, I've been stranded there multiple times in my twenties. Look, both uh, uh, by accident when an airline canceled my flight, forced me to fly out the next day, and I was too poor in my twenties to be able to shell out for a nearby hotel. And a couple times where I decided, you know, look, it's actually going to be a little cheaper if I fly in one day, take my onward flight the next day. So the most recent time that I was stranded in O'Hare was actually flying back when and my original connecting flight got canceled. There was no onward flight back home to to Portland. And I had to just find some chairs that ideally don't have those arms between them. So you can stretch out horizontal. That can be kind of tough in a lot of the, in a lot of the different terminals. And you know, you're sitting there worried about bag security. So you got one arm through your backpack strap. And I was trying to get home because my wife was about to go in for her 20 week ultrasound to find the gender of our upcoming first Child, I had some uh, uh, very choice thoughts about the airline Mm -hmm. for canceling my flight, causing me to miss that appointment. I think Damn. now, four and a half years later, my wife has finally forgiven me for missing that flight. I have yet to forgive the airline for that one. no,
0: nah, nah, I feel that. I feel that. And we <laughs> all have, in some respects, especially if you travel a lot, some type of horror story going through an airport. You know, growing up i've I've always been told Chicago is a hub for certain airlines. but but what does that actually mean? And just how busy is Chicago compared to other cities?
1: Sure, so O'Hare is a hub for American Airlines, United Airlines, Midway, one of Southwest Airlines, largest uh, airports. And what that means is basically you see not only a ton of flights going into and out of Chicago, but essentially a lot of feeder flights. So if you fly, if you wanna, let's say you live in Des Moines, and you wanna go over to Paris this summer. There are no de- nonstop flights from Des Moines to Paris. Instead, what's gonna happen is you have to fly to a hub, usually something like Chicago O'Hare, and then catch an onward flight to Paris because there's not enough people in Des Moines who wanna to go to Paris, but there are enough people in Chicago who wanna to go to Paris to make it economically feasible for the airline, and enough people who all kind of come in, fly into this hub, and then go onward. so chicago is blessed to have uh, all those flights and it's that competition between airlines that volume of flights that really drives down fares and makes it so that you see far cheaper flights out of chicago than you do some nearby cities mm-hmm. like des moines or even other big cities nearby like minneapolis or detroit which have more of a monopoly one airline with it as a hub less competition and higher fares as a result Yeah,
0: I lived in Peoria for about four years and we flew in and out of Peoria a few times and Given it being a sort of small regional airport, we almost never had to deal with lines. You just pull up, go in, get to your flight. We almost never had to deal with delayed or canceled flights. But a place like Chicago with so much logistics, thousands of people moving in and out of that airline, you're likely to get some of those headache moments. And now President Biden has said he wants airlines to compensate passengers for delays and cancellations that are the airline's fault. What's the gist of Biden's proposal?
1: Sure. Let me let me preface it with this. When an American traveler has their flight delayed in Europe, they're owed compensation up to $650. When that same American traveler has their flight delayed in the US, they're entitled today to up to zero dollars in compensation. <laughs> you don't have any right to be able to get reimbursed for your time and hassle. This I, I mean, proposal... I have
0: gotten a voucher before. I've had a flight, yes. like move to the next day. Is that sort of at this present moment, like up to the airline's discretion? Exactly, okay. it's up to the
1: airlines. Your rights, your, what you are entitled to under the law is zero dollars. Mm. And this proposal from the Biden administration would change that. the The, the details are still forthcoming. But what the gist of it is, is that it would require airlines to do two things. Uh, if an airline delays or cancels your flight and it's within the airlines control. So not because of a snowstorm or thunderstorm, but because of like their, their computer system melted down. They a pilot slept through an alarm. They uh, I don't know have, have overbooked, have which issue, feels like it happens overbooked. way too much. Exactly, then airlines would have to do two things under this proposal. First, they would have to reimburse you for all your out-of-pocket expenses. Think meals, a hotel, your taxi to the hotel, stuff like that. And then second, they would actually have to give you additional compensation for your time and, and hassle, the way it is when you take that flight in Europe, where if there's your flight gets delayed and the airline's fault, you are actually entitled to hundreds of dollars, in many cases, of compensation and be able to take a replacement flight. So this would really be a huge boost to passengers' rights here in the US if this proposal ultimately comes into effect.
0: your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way. So stay tuned for their old town location. Alongside the, the compensation, you know, members of Congress have also proposed a passenger bill of rights that seeks to tackle things like fees. Why is this push for change coming right now?
1: Sure. So look, I think we've seen over the past 10, 15, 20 years, the airlines moving in a direction of adding on more fees, essentially this what's called known as unbundling, that has resulted in cheaper fares than we saw 15, 20 years ago, but more sort of add-on fees, more sort of uh, uh, what are referred to by the Biden administration as junk fees in many cases, and a real disconnect between what a lot of travelers expect from their flight and what they actually receive. So let me give you an example. You know, you're traveling with your your, your family, you book that ticket, you're like, oh my goodness, you know, I got a ticket to, down to Cancun, 200 bucks round trip. And then you go to pick your seats because you have uh, uh, this audacious expectation that you might wanna sit next to your kids on that flight down to Cancun and the airline saying, well, this is gonna cost $80 per person to pick Mm -hmm. your seats. And so for a lot of folks, they're like, I'm not willing to risk it to have the airline assign our seats and maybe we're gonna get separated for this flight, I'll just pay an extra Three hundred twenty dollars. So our family of four can sit together. That's an example of where the airlines have tried to really start to monetize okay. things that used to be included in the ticket. Price. And, and that family is this-
0: not traveling just their bodies. I imagine they also bring luggage <laughs> and a whole bunch of other things that, that start adding up.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so but I think one of the things that the Biden administration has proposed that could really be beneficial is more transparency on those fees. So it's not necessarily saying airlines, you can't charge extra for bags or you can't charge extra to select your seats, but it should be clear for travelers from the outset how much it costs to mm-hmm. check that bag, how much it costs to select those seats. And so having, there's a proposal for instance that airlines have to display that from the beginning, not just add in the fee transparency at the end of the checkout process, which I think would go a long way in making it clear for travelers to be able to compare apples to apples. How much am I actually saving on that spirit flight versus the more expensive American one, but uh, the spirit flight might not include things like even a carry on bag, for instance.
0: What really drove this trend over the last 20 years for airlines to start moving to what mm. feels like a, an a la carte model for what for me feels like I need this whole meal. I need all of these
1: things. W- mm. Why have they been sort of piecing these things out? Absolutely. Look, it, this is a, a a trend that started about 50 years ago, but really accelerated in the last 15 years, this uh, process of unbundling. And here's why. Starting at around 2008. The full service airlines like American, United, Delta looked around and they said, huh, all these leisure travelers seem to be buying tickets not through us like they used to before, they're buying the cheapest tickets. It seems like they don't actually care what airline they're flying, they just wanna get the cheapest ticket possible. Who's offering the cheapest tickets? It was the budget airlines like Spirit and Frontier and whatnot who, when you would do a Google, uh, you know, you search on Google Flights, you search on Expedia, you search for a flight down to Miami, the American ticket might cost $300 and the Spirit ticket might cost just $69. Which one do you think that most people are buying? I'll give you a hint. It's not the American one. They're booking mm-hmm. that spirit flight. And, and it the, feels like oh, no that's... matter
0: what pop culture has tried to do to make Spirit and Frontier seem like these, you know, I did not want to say, I was going to say Fall Out the Sky Airlines, but it, but it feels like that's their, uh, the, the way people have sort of referred to Spirit and Frontier is almost like pejoratives, like, oh, you
1: don't want to fly oh, with yeah. them, but people keep going. The lines stay oh, long. Yeah. Listen, they, they, the CEO of these airlines used to say, you know, look, people can rag on us all they want. People are still going to buy our flights mm-hmm. because the t- at the end of the day, by far the most important factor when people are purchasing a flight is the price of the, the ticket. That's it. And so because the full service airlines looked around, they said, oh, my God, all these budget airlines are eating our lunch. It was less a way of trying to generate a bunch of new cash as to try to say, well, we had to charge $300 before and Spirit was charging $69. Maybe if we don't include things like bags and whatnot, we can drop a price down to like $175. So we're still a little more expensive than the budget airlines, mm-hmm. but we're in, we're in the game.
0: Now, none of these are done deals, but But how could you see these changes impacting a hub like Chicago?
1: Mm. The way that this would really kind of have an impact on a hub like Chicago is by making your rights more explicit as a traveler and by making your rights more consistent, no matter which airline you're flying. So I think it would actually uh, uh, make it a lot easier easier for travelers to 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 not have to worry oh you know if what if my spirit flight gets canceled what if my frontier flight gets canceled or delayed which they might be more likely to do will i have uh what are my rights going to be knowing hey look it, it's the same no matter what
0: now the main focus of the federal government in addition to a potential bill of rights again is about compensating you if due to the airline's own fault you have this uh sort of travel conundrum but could even these changes you know,
1: impact the overall price for flights. Yeah, look, I think that's one of the main objections or potential objections you see to this proposal that, oh, if airlines are required to hand out compensation when in, when they uh, uh, delay or cancel your flight, then all of a sudden tickets are going to get more expensive. The pushback that I put, uh, uh, submit on that is look at Europe. Europe has had this law, you know, we talked at the beginning how you're entitled to up to $650 in compensation when your flight is delayed in Europe. They have had that on the books for decades now. Are flights significantly more expensive in Europe than they are in the U.S.? No, and to the contrary, I think they're actually cheaper Mm -hmm. on a per mile basis because they have so many of these really strong budget airlines like Ryanair, like EasyJet, that even if you're like, I'll never fly one of those budget airlines, you still owe them a debt of gratitude because they make flights cheaper on the airlines that you do fly, whether it be American, United, Delta, whoever, because those airlines now have to compete with the budget airlines. So I think Mm -hmm. it is less that, Compensation for delays or cancellations will cause flights to be more expensive uh, because I think Europe actually provides a pretty compelling counterpoint to that argument.
0: Scott, I have one question related to uh, these potential rules, because I always wonder, especially with Mm -hmm. these, you know, billion dollar airlines, do you think that rather than shelling out more compensation, they're likely to just invest in, you know, uh, more People to fight these claims to to mm. to push off the responsibility, even if not financially, onto the 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 customer, but just to push off that responsibility onto other maybe third party factors to say you have to prove that this was the airline's fault and and, mm. and it necessarily wasn't. D- does that bring you any concern?
1: Certainly, that does bring me concern. And that's why I think it's going to be really really critical how this proposal is ultimately written. You know, we've yet to see the the actual text, a proposal from the Department of Transportation and then what the ultimately final proposal rule looks like after they've gotten a bunch of input from the public. Now, there there's some ways to handle this. You know, Canada for instance has had a lot of issues with airlines saying, "Oh, you know, it wasn't our fault. It was it was bad weather." You know, we saw over the winter with Southwest yeah. meltdown that at first they really blamed the weather when All the other airlines were flying just fine and Southwest was canceling two thirds of their flights. And so what Canada uh, is is proposing to do actually is to change the impetus where it is assumed that any delay or cancellation is because it's the airline's fault, unless the airline can prove that this was because of bad weather. So that you know, it can you can change the default setting. What I'm actually hopeful for that the knock-on effect will be is not just that passengers can get compensated, which would be great when that happens, but there's a secondary benefit, and mm-hmm. that's fewer flight delays. It doesn't cost the airlines very much when they delay or cancel a flight, when they overschedule and have to or just cancel flights. But if all of a sudden they're having to hand out millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in compensation to travelers because of those controllable delays or cancellations, they're going to have a lot of motivation to prevent those delays, to prevent those cancellations. And so we might actually see an air travel experience in the U.S. much improved if airlines have. Feel that there's going to be some consequences, some repercussions for uh, 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 the delays or cancellations that are within their control. So that's my hope that this not only will entitle you to compensation, but actually make it more likely that your future flights would arrive on time.
0: All right. So my last question before I let you go, uh, if you could give one tip to Chicagoans to find a cheap flight as we get into this chaotic summer travel season, what would it be?
1: My main piece of advice, if you're hoping to travel this summer and you're still, you haven't got booked yet, you're still hoping to get a good deal, target the first two weeks of June or the last two weeks of August. Flights in the very beginning and very end of summer are often 40% cheaper than they are in that kind of middle hump of summer. Ah, uh, the reason why is that uh, we've got a very disjointed educational system in the u s. Some schools around the country are still in session by you know late May, early June. Some schools are back in session by late August. so you don't have quite as much competition for flights during that early June or late August period the way you do in, say, July. And then, it's, look, if you're just hoping to take a vacation rather than kind of picking where you wanna go and then just hoping for a cheap flight, take a look at where are there cheap flights available right now and choosing among them. So, you know, just like off the top of my head, flights available right now out of Chicago over the summertime, there's down to Cancun in Mexico for 266 round trip, and that's on the Southwest. Flights down to Columbia for 334 round trip or Jamaica for 349 or flights over to Ireland under 500 bucks round trip.
0: For our CityCast family, we got more tips from Scott in our newsletter. We'll drop a link in the show notes. Scott, thank you so much for coming uh, past CityCast Chicago today.
1: Excellent. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Before I let you go a little bit of news, the CTA has added electric buses to one of its busiest south side routes, the number 63, which runs from Midway to 63rd and Stony Island. Now, remember, the Route 66 bus from Austin to Navy Pier has included e-buses since around 2021. The city got about 30 million dollars from the feds last year to expand its fleet. And speaking of transportation, Englewood residents can attend a community meeting at Kennedy King College tomorrow night to discuss street improvements along 63rd and along Halstead. Check the link in the show notes for details. And some good news. Wednesday and Thursday in Pulaski Park, you can see Free Street Theaters youth ensembles play Wasted, told through disco, house, and ballroom, while exploring environmental harms on the south and west sides. As always, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure you're following along with our daily newsletter, Hey Chicago. It should already be in your inbox as of 6 a.m. this morning. Now, if you're new to CityCast Chicago, welcome. We got a daily newsletter. It's the best damn one in the city. You can subscribe at Chicago.CityCast.fm. And since you're joining us, go ahead and rate and review the podcast, wherever you're listening. I'm going to be back on the mic tomorrow with producer Samal Alisea. We'll talk to you then. Peace.
1: If all things are equal, and I've got one flight that might connect in Dallas, another flight that might connect in Minneapolis, and a third flight that's connecting through O'Hare, I'm choosing that O'Hare flight. And the reason why, two words, Tortas Frontera. It is the only airport food in the entire country that I will go out of my way for <laughs> because those tortoises are so dang dank, like they are delicious, that I will, I will gladly take a, a, a connection. Maybe less so in January, given the, the possibility mm-hmm. of delays, cancellations. But uh, generally speaking, it is a, a, a sandwich that is worth flying for.